You're listening to the Trace Church Rock Rimmon podcast. Well, it's awesome uh, to be with you in your living rooms, uh, maybe in your kitchen this morning, maybe you have your cup of coffee. Uh, and I want to tell you what I'm not going to do today. I'm not just going to give you pithy sayings and kind of phone one in and say, here's something good. Here's something exciting. Here's something to look forward to. As so much I think of the holiday season can often say, here's the thing, right? Here's the buildup, whether it's this song or lights or presents or the moment. And we, we will find ourselves in a few weeks, some of us disappointed by that season. Uh, but what I am going to do is tell the truth this morning. I'm going to be honest with you guys. You deserve that. And in the midst of this moment, there's a lot of bad news. We know that. And it feels like everything on the news, maybe from your kids' schools, maybe from your kids themselves, the latest article, whatever it is, there's a lot of bad news out there. But I wouldn't be telling the full truth if I didn't tell you that there's also a lot of good news out there. It's been a hard year. We know that. Let's be real. Let's be raw. Let's be honest. It has been a challenge this year, but there is good news And I think this today brings us hope as we both dig into God's word and I share a few stories from my own life. I'm sure there are things in your own life that that actually are going well. We just tend to not see them in the moment, in the midst of disappointment. I've described 2020 as I kind of zoom out and look at this year as as a dull spoon to my heart. Maybe a little bit of a grapefruit spoon to it, you know, with a little bit of an edge. Like maybe it didn't rip your heart right out but it just keeps digging at you this year. And so if you're feeling that, you're normal. But there is good news in the midst of that. I want to ask you a question. Where did you get affirmation from when you were growing up? Where did you get affirmation from when you were growing up? Uh, Maybe for you, it was in looks. Maybe for you, it was in your performance in school. Some of you can relate to this A. I can relate more to the C-. In school, that was me. That's part of my story. Uh, For me, it was sports. Maybe when you look up at a scoreboard, you had incredible moments that you thought about and then incredible losses. Maybe it was in your looks, how well you could relationally perform, how well you could lead other people. When other people were proud of you, life was good. And the problem is, as we get older, unknowingly, we bring that stuff into adulthood, And we bring that desire to perform, the desire to be known, the desire to be loved for what we do into the stuff that we do. The problem is a year like 2020 hits. The bottom line, the what might have fallen out of your year this year. Your performance, you might not have that much to go back to. The spreadsheet may not look as good as it did last year. The P&L statement for your business may be rough. Your relationships, you may say, I've invested a lot. What do I have to show for that? We've all had a tough year, but I think the danger is always in putting our value in what we do and not in who we are. In what we do and not in who we are. 2020 has been brutal on me personally. I need to be honest with you. Aaron was honest last week to to say that 2020 has been hard on him. I don't share that because I want sympathy or or a sob story. I just want you to know that I'm with you. It's been hard on all of us. And as I look back at, at 2020, 
There have been some beautiful moments, but there have been a lot of losses, a lot of disappointment, that dull spoon digging at my heart throughout the year. And a couple weeks ago, I had one of those days, one of those moments where it was just uh, the, the middle of a hard day, in the middle of a hard week, in the middle of a hard month, in the middle of a hard year. And you know those days when you feel like, today, I gave it everything I had, and my best just wasn't good enough. You ever have those kind of days? And I had one of those. And came home, and I was tired at the end of the day. Let's be honest, I was hangry. All right, you know, come about five o'clock, I realized the lunch I didn't eat that day. And so it just felt like, man, what a waste of time today, today was. And I came home and I was just discouraged. And, uh, and I came home and asked my son, so what'd you do today? He said, dad, I'm working on a project on heroes. I'm like, awesome. Well, who's your hero? So I'm thinking it's like a YouTuber. I'm thinking it's, you know, a pro sports player, something like that. And he said, dad, you're my hero. Almost lost it in that moment. Thinking, man, I failed. Thinking, man, I didn't hit the numbers that I had for myself, my own expectations. I can't be enough. I can't make this work. I can't push success over the line. And my son's saying, no, dad, you're my hero. And I was kind of taken aback by that. I got some dinner in me, and I was processing that evening. Like, that's exactly what I needed in that moment. And uh, right before bed, my son and I love playing cards before bed. And so we were playing cards, and it's just kind of a way to talk and interact at the end of the day. I said, so, son, can I ask you why I'm your hero? And he just really simply said, because you're my dad. Because you're my dad. You know what he didn't say? Well, because you, you met your 2020 goals. That's why. You exceeded all P&L statements. You made sure, Dad, that everything you committed to last year, you did above and beyond. Dad, you, you're my hero because you crush it. He didn't say any of those things just because you're my dad. And I'll tell you, those moments when there are things that I don't see about God, that I miss about life, that I feel discouraged, sometimes my kids are exactly what I need. And I think about throughout the Bible, Jesus talks about children and brings us back, man, if we could think like children, if we could see God like children, that's exactly what I needed. And I'm sure you've had plenty of those days. I also want to acknowledge there's a secret contingent of people who 2020 has actually been a good year for them. You know who you are, and everyone's like giving their sob stories. It's been hard and discouraging. Those are the people that don't say anything in the corner. And they're like, uh, yeah, tough, tough year. It's okay. Like, it is okay if you won this year. Like, can I just say that? Is that okay to say in our culture right now? I don't know. I may not ever get invited back to teach here. It's okay if you're encouraged right now and had a good year. Don't feel like you have to make stuff up to fit in. I just want to share that. Like maybe you are encouraged right now so that you can encourage other people. Maybe right now your empathy is growing. Maybe God has given you more this year relationally, physically, financially, so that you can bless. There are so many people that need it. One thing I love about Trace is Trace is saying what resources come in, how can we bless other people in need? You'd be amazed. It's the little things, guys. It's okay to be winning, and it's also okay to, okay to feel like you're losing, but I think today will put us in perspective. And one thing I love about Jesus' ministry is actually that he spent 30 of his 33 years 
as kind of a normal dude, just living life. We forget about that. We only see 10% of his life when he comes on the scene. And so we're gonna kind of start with his ministry. He comes on the scene in ministry and, and kind of moving from this normal guy to the then legend that he will be with people chasing him and following him and wanting the things that he brings. And so in that transition, here's kind of what's happening. He comes on the scene to officially kick off his ministry with his baptism. And this is his cousin, John the Baptist. He says, will you baptize me? And at his baptism, we pick up in scripture, this is Matthew chapter three. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up, or he, he went up out of the water. At the moment, heaven was opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Now, maybe you've heard that phrase before. Maybe you've read scripture before and said, yeah, of course. He's saying, this is my son. Let me put this in context. How much ministry had Jesus done at that time? Formally speaking, zero. He had not earned, quote unquote, anything. In American culture, we might say produced anything, shown his value. People weren't chasing him. There weren't followers at that point. He wasn't healing people's sicknesses and ailments. He wasn't doing crazy things that people would talk about. He was just him, God's son. He hadn't done the ministry, but he's saying he's loved by God. His father is already proud of him. No matter what way you learn to perform for your parents, for your mom, for your dad, for your friends, for a community of people watching you when you're growing up, you are deeply and dearly loved by God because you are you, because you are God's kid. Here's good news this morning. If you call in the name of Jesus, you don't work for your identity. You work from it. Jesus is not working for his identity. He's not doing ministry so he can be loved by God. Because he is loved by God and on a mission from God, he gets to do ministry. Too many times we make that mistake in relationships and say, I'll do all of these things so that maybe eventually I will be able to earn someone's love. Let me just name what that's called. That's called a dysfunctional relationship. If you feel like you need to do a lot of things so that eventually you earn someone's love, that doesn't end well. And guys, I've got really good news for you today. You can stop trying to earn God's love because you've already got it. Guys, stop trying to earn God's love. You've already got it. Like, what if you lived life from that identity saying, because I am deeply loved by God, then I get to bless we don't bless other people so that eventually God will love us. Because we're loved by God, then we are generous people. This is identity, guys. This is about our identity. This is about who we are. Guys, it's dehumanizing to be loved for simply what we do. It's dehumanizing to be loved for simply what we do. We are not machines. We are not performers. We are humans created in the image of God. But it is also disarming to be loved simply for who you are. You ever had somebody just say, man, I love you and I'm proud of you. And you're kind of like, for what? 
What have I been doing? And just, I'm just, just proud of you. We all need a couple people in our lives that just say, man, I don't, really, I don't really care what you do on a regular basis. I don't really care if you're an investment banker, if you're a college coach, if you're a therapist, if you're a teacher, if you're a dad, you're, you're a mom. I, I just love you. It's disarming, isn't it? Because we didn't do anything to earn that love. Like people that just want to be around us. I think we're all longing for that in the season. I just want to be around friends who, who don't ask, hey, what'd you accomplish this week? What'd you do this week? How'd you perform this week? But, but I just love you. I just love you for who you are. Because Jesus' ministry continues. And people say some of this all the time. Oh, the Bible, is, it's just a set of rules. It's just a set of these standards. Now, if you're just reading the Old Testament without context, I can understand there's a lot that doesn't really make sense if we don't view it in this narrative of the story of God. I understand, but when Jesus comes on the scene, it's a game changer. Jesus comes on the scene and he says, I am going to show you who love is, what it looks like, and how it is fleshed out. I don't know about you, I'm a practical guy. I just wanna know what does it actually look like? And it doesn't get much more practical than Jesus's first sermon. Some would argue Jesus's first sermon was actually his only intentional sermon. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And I've been to this place. It overlooks the Sea of Galilee, just a beautiful place. And they kind of climbed up on this hill. In Colorado, we would call it a hill. But on this mountain, the Sermon on the Mount, and I don't know about you, but, but whatever people start with, when people come on the scene, their first message matters a lot. I have to believe this was a message that had been stored up in him for most of 30 years. And it starts this way. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who born, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all kinds of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad, for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. I find that fascinating and really perplexing. That of all the things he can start with, it wasn't a list of here are all the 17 or 70 or 700 things you need to do. Here's a list. He actually chooses to speak about who we are. And it's not very typical in Western culture. Can I say that? Like this, pe people who are humble, people who are discouraged, people who need comforting, people who have lost things. Anybody lost something this year? I'll put two hands up. 
I know people who have lost loved ones and can't even come together physically in a room and hug someone and cry with somebody. And if that's you, I'm so sorry that you are going through that. I'm so sorry you haven't had the ability to even mourn and grieve properly. But this is the opposite of what our culture tells us. Our culture says up and to the right, what you do, perform, produce new things. And this is saying when you are humbled, when you are down and to the right, discouraged, mourning, grieving, losing things, hungering for wrongs in the world to be made right. Any of, any of us this year say, this is not okay. This is not the good life. We are not living in peace here. Saying you're blessed in that moment. He doesn't choose to talk about what we are to do, but who we are to become. So I want to ask you a hard question. Would those adjectives describe who, are, who you are becoming? Because I don't know about you, but I've been humbled this year. I've been humbled in so many ways. Things that were normal to me, things that were you know, just part of life, even in our family, part of life in my friendships, part of life, things that I did naturally, things that I was allowed to do naturally. I now say, this is really fun. The idea of going out to a restaurant to eat with a human at a table sounds amazing right now. I just didn't appreciate that before. The idea of a few bucks to go bless somebody with something, a card from somebody, having a friend over to my house, like these are little things that I just didn't appreciate. I've been humbled this year. Who we are matters more than what we do. And I want to be really clear about that this morning. And in Jesus' economy, the economy of the kingdom, it's flipped upside down. You're blessed when you're not winning and you realize you need God. Any of us feel like we're not winning this year? Name the area. He goes on, you're the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You're the light of the world a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Here's what I hear in that. He's saying, you are this. That is about identity. If you call in the name of Jesus, you are salt and you are light. Let me say it a different way. Your struggle does not negate or erase your calling. Let me say that again. Your struggle does not erase your calling. You have a call on your life to be bigger than yourself. And guys, here's good news right now. The bar's really low. Like you do one thing. My neighbor brought me Chex Mix the other day. The dude poured it into a tin. I don't even think he made it. I'm grateful for that. He brought me Chex Mix. I'm like, oh, thank you, Rick. The bar's really low. Like somebody, I was waiting in line, didn't have a mask on me. And somebody's like, let me run to my car and, and get you a mask. And I was like, thank you so much. He's like, don't worry. It cost me like 40 cents. But like, I was so grateful in that moment. Guys, this is the time to serve. Like, we are salt and we are light. 
whether you've lost a lot this year, you've lost a little bit, whether you're doing a two out of 10 on the scale, a 10 out of 10 on the scale, or a negative three saying, I am just struggling to get through the day. We are salt and we are light. Let me read it in a different way. I love the message paraphrase here. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors in this earth. Isn't that beautiful? The God flavors in this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness usefulness, and will end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God's not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up to God, this generous Father in heaven. We've all lost a lot this year, but let me tell you something that hasn't changed. You're to bring out the God flavors and God colors in the world. This is an amazing time to be generous right now. This is an amazing time to write someone a note. This is an amazing time to call someone and say, I love you, man. Hard thing for dudes to say, I realize that. I love you, man. Why? Because just, just, I just love you. You're amazing. I just want to tell you that. Like that goes a long way right now. This doesn't focus on the score in life. Whenever we're focusing on the score, guys, we're focusing on us. There have been moments where, where we need to zoom out this year. It's helpful to see here's what we've lost and we need to grieve. That's helpful. I don't know about you guys, but I hear everyone talking about 2021 like it's a rebound relationship of like, man, she broke my heart that 2020 did, but you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna run off and forget about her. I'm just gonna head into the next year and that'll make everything fine, right? Sounds good. What's bad about that plan? Guys, 2021 is not a rebound relationship. We need to zoom out and say that was hard. Like we need to grieve it. We've lost things. Please don't treat 2021 like your rebound. But I will say this, guys, it's an opportunity. The moment when, you know, the, the ball drops this year, nothing magically changes. It is what we make of it. You are to be generous people. We are to be people because we are loved, because our identity is secure. Guess what? You're still God's kid. You may be struggling. You may have lost. You're still God's kid. Guys, the good news is not that 2021 is almost here. The good news is that you are loved by a father on your worst day and on your best day. The good news is not, oh, we're going to move on from this and find some kind of new normal. The good news is that who you are matters more to God than what you do. The good news is you can stop trying to perform. And yes, I'm preaching to myself in this moment too. You can stop trying to perform and be up and to the right and say, I am loved by God. And there's more good news. Is that I bet who you are was shaped a lot this year. I bet you're more attentive to God. I bet you're more grateful for a paycheck this year. I bet you're, you have more gratitude when you get to sit over a meal with a friend. I had somebody bless our family this week with something. 
And I was able to go home and sit around the table and say, hey, guess what, family? Like, here's what someone did for us today. I said, wow, that's incredible. And to them, it was just a thing that their family wanted to do to bless our family. For us, it was life, because that's who they are. Your struggle does not erase your calling to be generous, to be God's kids, to be loved, and then to go love. How'd God shape you in 2020? Like here, your heart, your soul, your character. How, how are you different? How are you a new creation? And the great news is God cares more about your character, heart, and soul than your actions. Who you are matters more than what you do. And what's interesting is how people get nervous when I say that. Because people are like, yeah, yeah, but our actions matter. Of course our actions matter. But I'm tired of seeing people defined by the worst moment of their lives. By that one moment where they made a mistake. And I'm so glad that God doesn't see us, see us as our worst mistake. See us as that thing that we did many years ago. That stigma that can sit on us for many years. That God says, you are my kid in the worst of years and the best of years. And I don't know about you, but the hardest question that I can answer these days is when someone says, hey, Alan, how you doing? I don't, I don't know. Uh, what area are we talking about here? You got three hours? Let's grab a seat. How are you doing? I, uh, what area are we talking about? Like, but if we're talking about attentiveness to God, if we're talking about gratitude, if we're talking about learning, like I aged like a cat this year. This was cat years right here. This was like seven years or 12 years. I don't know. I feel like, remember January last year? And I was like, that feels like it was like aught four or something. Like, are you kidding me? That was just less than 12 months ago from last year. I have grown so much this year. And I'm actually to the point where I would say it's been hard but I wouldn't take any of it back personally. The grieving, the loss, the loss of life in the world, man, the world is not as it should be. The weary world can still rejoice, but the world is weary right now. But the things that I've experienced this year, I would not trade them. And I'm okay if you're not there yet or if you wouldn't say that. But the things I've experienced, I would not trade. But was this an easy year that I coasted through? No. Was this up and to the right? Did the spreadsheets look solid? Were P&L statements great? Would my time feel like it was perfectly used this year? Of course not. I'm reading a book right now called Tempered Resilience uh, by a guy named Todd Bolsinger. If you're a leader, I would encourage you to read this book. Um, it's real and it's raw. The subtitle is How Leaders Are Formed in the Crucible of Change. And he talks about both this word tempered and this word resilience. But this word tempered has had a big effect on me uh, as I've read about it, as I've thought about it. You may think about tempered glass or tempered steel. What's interesting is in the process of this steel, that steel can actually be too hard to not be useful. And it can be so strong that it is not flexible enough. It could also be so flexible that it is not strong enough and it can bend too much and it can break. 
But I think where God meets us is the moment of both strength and flexibility. And so as we flex, adapt, pivot, whatever buzzword of 2020 we want to use, as we continue to adapt, I hope that we trust more in the living God. As I've continued to adapt, I felt like I'm out of control in different ways. I've literally lost control of things that I thought I had before. And the beautiful thing is I think in this flexibility, God is also building our strength. I also think on the other side of this, we're going to be more resilient. I also think on the other side of this, we're going to be blessed because we grieve. I think we're going to be blessed because we mourn. I think we're going to be blessed because we have lost. I think we're going to be blessed because we have a vision of shalom that is not here yet. The world is not as it should be and groans and cries out for that. 2020 was hard. And 2020 was good. It's not what I wanted and it's what I needed. So I want to give you guys a couple of takeaway steps. As you zoom out on the year, the mistake is to say this. Make one more joke about 2020 being the worst year ever and everything was bad about it. We all joke that way. But, but I want to challenge you to something truly countercultural. Pull out a couple of good things. What are you grateful for in 2020? Gratitude literally has the power to change our brain chemistry. It's crazy. As followers of Jesus, we should be the most generous people on the planet. We have a reason to be generous. We should be the most loving people on the planet. We've been loved so deeply on our worst and our best days, so we get to love on other people's worst and best days. And I want to challenge you to reflect. Don't head into 2021 as the rebound relationship. I'm going to forget about the pain she caused me. And so I'm just going to move on really quickly to try to fix this thing. That doesn't work. But who did God make you into this year? How did God shape you below the surface this year? Don't just focus on loss. And also, how do you need to get healthy? How do you need to get healthy? I see a counselor. I'm grateful. I get to process things there. I don't get to process any other place. Maybe you feel like, ooh, in my family, that's not okay. Ooh, I, I don't know if we're allowed to do that. Let me just tell you that the, in the Trace family, that's not only okay, but that's something that's being offered to you. And so if you're connected to Trace in any way, if you're watching this in any, any way, Trace actually wants to sponsor you for at least one counseling session. This is time and you're thinking about it. There's been no better time to work on who. Who you are matters more than what you do. And I just want to remind you of that. That yes, there's been a lot of bad news. There's been a lot of hard news this year. But there is good news. Who you are matters more than what you do. Let me pray. God, as I say these words... Some may be in tears and some may absolutely just not believe me. Some, some may read these blessed statements called the Beatitudes and say, I don't buy that because all I feel is pain right now. All I feel is hurt right now. But God, all I know is that you are with us in these moments. That you're not trying to explain these things away. There's been real pain this year, real loss this year, real grieving, real death this year. 
God, I pray, God, that you're shaping who we are, our character, our hearts, our soul, even our relationships deeper than we would have if this year was just up and to the right. God, you're greater than a year. You're greater than a pandemic. You're greater than our losses. And we choose to believe that in your name. Amen.